We're going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3, all the way through the chapter and including the first line of chapter 4. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The Lamb of God had not yet gone out. The Lamp of God, pardon me, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the Ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for the sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the door of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me any, anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord is with Samuel as he grew up, and at and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Loretta. A whole chapter. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much. If you have your Bible with you open, or maybe you have your phone open as well, please keep, uh, keep your Bible open to chapter 3. This is where we will be this morning. And as I begin, please join me in praying, asking God to speak to us.
Lord, your word says that your sheep recognize your voice. And so, Lord, there are times when we are very far off from you. There are times when we are distracted and the noise is blazing and fills our hearts with all kinds of things that are not of you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray by your spirit and through the meditation on your word that you would pierce our hearts. You would open up our minds and eyes to see you and to hear you and to receive you. Lord, to even approach time in your word this morning where we approach it in faith that you do speak and are active in the world and that you have called each of us. So Lord, I just pray that we would receive the good news in Jesus through this moment in time with Samuel and Eli and through you calling out to your prophet for your people. I pray we would hear it and receive it because you are calling out to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Amen. So a couple years back, a shift in how I listened to music happened. I don't exactly remember when it happened, but it's something that happened for me that probably has happened to some of you. And to be honest, this is a normal practice for me. So as I talk about it, I'm not saying don't do this, but it's more about what it means. And part of it is about how we listen today. So here's a picture, which is actually makes me think about my house. I got young kids in my house. There's a lot of busyness going on. But a while ago, I picked up Bluetooth headphones. And so in the midst of busyness, I found a way to listen to things, to music, to podcasts, and it would almost kind of take me out of moments. And so some of us have these Bluetooth listening devices because they're amazing. I love them so much. I use them every day. But what they do is they take you out of the present moment. And still to this day, one of the most distracting things for me that throws me off when I'm in a different social space is that, oh, I'm like, maybe I'm at the grocery store or I'm at some place with people I don't know and I hear someone talking loudly and I think, huh, okay, someone's talking to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna strike up a conversation. And then I looked and they say, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? And they were not talking to me because they were talking on the phone. They were talking on the phone. They weren't talking to me at all. And I thought, whoa, you're talking to me. This is great, what's up? And so, it's interesting to think about what does listening truly look like in a very busy world when we're so distracted by screens and technology, the space where we share ourselves on social media, and even the pace of life, the hurry of life, the busyness of life, we are quite distracted. And this is not just true socially when you're in a space trying to figure out who you can talk to or are allowed to talk to when things are so busy and so loud, But it's also true spiritually. It has spiritual implications because like I already said, God is always speaking. He's speaking to us in all ways through creation, the beauty of creation. He speaks to us through his word. And as Christians, we believe that by his spirit, he speaks to us here and now today. And that sometimes is hard for some of us, even if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time in your life, because many of us, if I ask, probably say, well, Pastor Chris, I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I would still even say that if you have not heard the audible voice of God, God has spoken to you. He's moved in your life in ways that maybe are not always clear, not always easy to understand. He's moved and tried to speak to you. And the question was, were you or were I or were we listening? 
There's a quote from Mother Teresa I wanted to share with you this morning. It'll be on the screen. Listen in silence. Well, that's hard to do if you have earbuds in, but listen in silence. Because if your heart is full of other things, you cannot hear the voice of God. Listen in silence. Because if your heart is full of other things, then you cannot hear the voice of God. There must be room in our hearts for God to receive him. Otherwise, we're not actually listening. And that's what we kind of hear signaled in this first verse. If you look at chapter 3, verse 1, it tells us something really important about what's happening. We've been in this book, these few chapters of Samuel, where God is doing a work among his people. But it's because they've been in a very bad, far-off place from him. Chapter 3, verse 1, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, we already heard this miraculous way that Samuel was born. And he's serving under Eli, which is his house, his affairs, his sons. It's a mess. And it tells us this. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. In those days, the, Lord, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Well, we're about to read about one today. The word of the Lord was rare. And, you know, the word of the Lord is really connected to... God's word for his people throughout all time. It's a word about his grace. It's a word about how God reveals himself to us through all time. God's grace for his people comes through his word. It's a word that's spoken by his spirit for his people. And often, if you read in the Bible, you'll read about lots of prophets. So prophets speak the word of God for the people of God. They share the words of who, what God is saying. It is written word that the spirit uses to reveal the heart of God to us. And it's also not just the written word, but it's the word that's embodied in the people of God. That we embody what God reveals about himself through the power of the Spirit, through the grace of Jesus, to bring this into the world that we're in. And there's a quote from one of the commentators I read this morning that, says, that, said, that, that said this. I didn't read it this morning. I read it earlier in the week. But it is a sign of God's grace when God's people what, 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 sorry, it's a sign of God's grace when God's word has free course among God's people. That God's grace actually in us is not actually flowing around if we don't actually have space for God's word. I mean, some of you are engaging in our reading plan, daily reading plan. I love seeing the comments about that. And you might have your own reading plan. You might have your own pattern of being in the word of God. But I'll tell you, it takes work. It takes work to actually be in the word of God and to try to receive, let alone to hear from God in the midst of this book, which is complex. But that is what God's grace is. I've been using this past few weeks, this idea, and I want to unpack it a little bit if it hasn't, been, hasn't been clear over the past few weeks, that what we're looking at in these first three chapters of 1 Samuel is a theme of prophetic grace. And what I mean by that is that God is speaking his grace. He's extending his grace to his people well before they did anything to deserve it or earn it. They can't do that. And that not only is he calling a prophet to a ministry in 1 Samuel, but he's actually talking to his people about grace, how they are people who become prophetic in nature. Not the gift of prophecy per se, but the prophets, they spoke the truth. They spoke the word of God to the people around them in all circumstances. So prophetic grace is not just something that we just seeing Samuel do. It's like, wow, Samuel's an awesome prophet. It's actually about what Jesus enables us to do, to practice and bring about prophetic grace wherever we are. 
It's a calling for all of us. And so what I want to talk about this morning is we see God calling his people to prophetic grace in chapter 3. We're seeing Samuel's story, but that Samuel's story, that Samuel's story is overlaid with the Jesus story, which is overlaid with your story. And so we're looking at how is he calling Samuel to prophetic grace, and how is he calling us to prophetic grace? The first way he calls Samuel to prophetic grace is to wake up. Then he tells him to listen. And then he tells him to act. He tells him to wake up. He tells him to listen. And then he tells him to act. Chapter three is describing what the whole book has been preparing for us to do, which is to to behold the transformation of a boy who was born from a barren woman, Hannah, to become a prophet. And this prophet is the first named male prophet since Moses. If you know your Bible, Moses is going all the way back, Genesis and Exodus. It's the first named prophet in, in the Bible. We had an unnamed prophet last week. He didn't have a name, so he's not named. But he is the first named prophet since Moses. You can't forget Deborah, though. Deborah was a judge. She was a prophetess. And what chapter 3 describes for us is God speaking to Samuel in the dark. A boy laying really near to the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God in the midst of his people. There's a lamp that was lit to indicate the light in which God's presence was happening in the world. It was there at the temple. And all of a sudden, Samuel starts to hear his name. Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel doesn't even, you know, doesn't, when he hears that, he's waking up. He's sleeping. He's woken up. He thinks, well, Eli's probably calling out to me because we already know that Samuel was working under Eli. And even this chapter tells us that they had some kind of personal relationship that really does mean something. And every time Samuel wakes up, he says, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. He goes and wakes up Eli. Imagine if you were woken up in the night constantly saying, here I am. You called out to me. I would, that happens to me sometimes with kids. That's not my favorite thing. Oftentimes it's actually much more of a sneaky, just like a really quiet staring into your face. It's not really quite clearly here I am. It's more of a, oh goodness, what's going on there? God is calling out to Samuel, but interesting enough, he doesn't recognize God's voice. He doesn't recognize God's voice. If you read in verse 7, chapter 3, we read this. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord has not yet been revealed to him. This is true of all of us, even if you do follow Jesus. There are times, there is a beginning to a lot of these moments of faith in the sense of, oh, wow, no, I, this is God revealing himself to me or me choosing and understanding who God is. But Samuel at this moment, however old he is, does not know the Lord. And he keeps going to Eli. I'm imagining what this is like. Eli, who we read about last week, whose house is a mess. He's under the judgment of God, which is a pretty scary thing to think about. And all of a sudden, he realizes after he's being woken up a bunch of times, God is speaking to this guy. God is speaking to this boy. And it's so interesting to me because Eli, if you know in his life what little we know from this book, he has not walked the path, but he knows what it is. And he immediately says, Samuel, the next time this happens, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
And this leads us, because I already talked about the first few ways that God is calling Samuel to prophetic grace, to the wake up. He's calling him to wake up. That's God's grace to Samuel in this section. He wakes him up from his sleeping. He wakes him up from not even this reality of knowing who God is. He wakes him up and he calls him to grace. But what's so beautiful about this, in the middle of the dark, no one watching, is he calls him by name. He calls him by names. It's just like how God would have called out to Abraham or God called Moses. He calls him by name, this double personal name, Samuel, Samuel. And every single thing that happens after then is revealing something about who God is. God is not someone who just calls out to you once and says, oh, you didn't hear? Okay, good. No, God persists to call out Samuel's name and he waits. He waits for him to be able to respond and even if God, God wants to say something to Samuel, so he will keep speaking until it is heard. Just as if God wants to speak something to you, he will make it known to you. And not everyone's heard God this way. I know that. This, this calling out, I've, you know, I'm, I have not heard God say, Chris, Chris, audibly. I've not heard it. But Samuel has been trained in the way of the word of God. He knows, if he, he's read the word, he's being formed and shaped by the word. He knows that a God is active in the midst of his people throughout all times and situations. And he makes his will known for his people in different times. We are the people of God just like the people of God were back, back then in some, at, at, to some way, a lot of ways. And even the New Testament church, after God sends his spirit. But throughout all times and generations, God, by his spirit, leads his people towards his will in the present moment. The content of who God is and his word doesn't change, but the circumstances do. The circumstances about how God wants to move, what he wants to say, how he speaks does change. And how he wakes Samuel up to that and how he wakes up to that is very similar. He calls us out directly. He calls Samuel out directly. He calls him by name. And whether, even if you've not heard your own name called, he calls us directly because he relates to us personally just as he relates to us all as his body. He calls us out. I think of times, and I can think of a few of the past year where I woke up in the middle of the night not because of a child, which is always amazing. And in truth, it's because there was something not right in my spirit Something was unfinished in my life or in my work for, in the week. And I was like, something's not, I'm not at peace. And so instead of the coveted seven, eight hours of sleep, which I rarely get, you know, I, instead, I was like, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to spend some time in the word. And, and in my life, not just in the past year, but in general, those times when I say, I am willing to listen, I am woken up uncomfortably in the middle of the night, are some of the sweetest, most rich, deep things I've experienced in my journey with Jesus. Just to say, God, I do believe you're speaking. I do hear you saying something specifically to me, reading your word, praying, listening as hard as I can. And I want to be open to that. Because I want to be awake. I don't want to be caught up in the distraction, the banalness of life. I want to be attentive to what God is doing now. Wake up. That is God's grace. He wakes us up. And all throughout different times. I remember the first time I actually taught this section. I was in high school. Chapter 3. Samuel, I was in high school, and I was helping out with a Christian organization in my group in my high school. We were, te- we were teaching every week and doing worship. And I remember teaching this and talking about this posture of, here I am, Lord. 
But then I think about teenage Chris, and I think about where I am today as a father, husband, and pastor, and I think God has talked to me directly a lot since then about what's happened. <laughs> I knew in part, and I know maybe a little bit more fully now, but I still have so much to know, and I have still so much to wake up to. All these different moments of waking up, I never looked at my shortcomings that way, or my sin this way, or I never looked at God's grace that way, or how deep God loves all these different people around me in ways that are mysterious and beyond my understanding. God wake us, wakes us up to grace by calling our name. I believe that he has called your name. He does call your name. And that leads us to the next way he, wake, he gives us prophetic grace, and that is to listen. That is to listen, to listen and what you see in Samuel, and it's what Eli instructs him to do, it's to take on this right posture and direction, which is one with an open heart, and to be with the posture of a servant. It's, you know, Eli tells him what to do. It's almost strange, can you consider everything that happened at the end of chapter 2 with Eli, that he somehow still knows the right way to listen to God, even though he's chosen not to do it. It is this posture of saying, here I am, but also in that line that Eli tells Samuel to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When was the last time you truly asked God to speak that way? How often do you speak to God in that way? Speak, Lord, your servant is living. Speak, Lord, you are the Lord. Your servant, I am only but a servant, and I am listening. It's about facing the right direction. It's about not being so geared towards distraction, pleasing others, or any other pursuits, and to be focusing on God. Focusing on God because he is the source of love. He is the source of the voice of God that you were made to hear, made to receive. And it's with, a, with an open heart to be truly open to what God has to say. I think when Samuel spoke up in that night, I wonder, what did he think God was going to say? If you opened yourself up today to God, what do you think God would say? To be open to say, Lord, I am listening to whatever you have to tell me. It's something as followers of Jesus, we should pray often, as often as possible. For us to listen to God, we must welcome him with the posture of servants. That's what it means to have a truly open heart. That's what it means to be truly oriented towards God. It is to listen to God in such a way that you welcome him with the posture of a servant. One of the connections with Jesus I thought about with this is Jesus in the parable of the sower. It's really familiar to many, but maybe not everyone. Jesus is around tons of people, and he, starts, he tells parables, but there's one parable that I think is remembered really well. It's the parable of the sower, which is an analogy about sowing seed, the good news about the kingdom of God, and ultimately Jesus himself. And it's received by a variety of ways. You picture a farmer throwing out seed, and it's going all kinds of different places. Some seed falls on an open path, and it gets plucked away by birds, Jesus even says, that's the enemy, that's Satan at work pulling that seed away that was thrown out. Probably magpies. <laughs> Some seed falls on a rocky path. It can't grow. It can't grow. It doesn't develop roots. It never really gets going. It doesn't bear fruit. And then some seeds, they fall among thorns. 
the worries and distractions of life. They choke out the word, causing it to remain unfruitful. And Jesus, what he says in Mark 4 about this is he says, whoever has ears, let him hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then he quotes Isaiah from Isaiah 6. They may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. They're caught up in a place of not listening. Earbuds in. Every earbud you buy is pretty much noise canceling. (laughs) And you have to take them out. And you actually have to have space in your life to be open like a servant to saying, I actually want you to till this ground. I want you to nurture this ground, water this ground, pull out the weeds, pull out the things that are limiting my experience of God and his grace and love because they are the source of my trouble and problem. The way in which we experience grace, like Samuel here, is listening, committing to listen, saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Wake up. Listen. And the last way I see here is act. Act. After Samuel hears this word from the Lord, which, wow, think about how amazing that would be if God would just speak. And I've already said he does, but just to hear that so clearly, to hear that, you think, wow, that's all I need. I just need the clarity, God. No, that's not where it stops. There is a following response that oftentimes is far harder trips up far many more people than you might think. It is acting in faith and obedience. Look at what God said briefly in chapter 3, verse 11. So this is, you know, when Samuel actually opens up to listen to what God has to sell him, this is what he tells him. So if you're going to actually open yourself up to hear what God, you might not know what he wants you to tell, and it might not be easy. And the Lord said to Samuel, reading from verse 11, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. So when he actually follows the wisdom Eli's given him, he's told of this really harsh word to the person who's been raising him. The person he's walked in his footsteps almost every day is actually a person who's been overcome by evil and sin and has received judgment word from the God, from the God he's been worshiping. Samuel, actually, what we realize is he stumbles in this moment. He doesn't want to tell Eli what this message is all about. He lies down in the morning after hearing this, and he, it tells us in verse 15, he's afraid to tell Eli about the vision. But Eli doesn't let him off the hook. Eli immediately goes to him the following morning, and this is what what we read about in verse 17. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. Well, that's, you know, he hears it. And, And so this is what Eli tells him. He is the Lord. Let him do good. In his eyes. I think in my life, when I've given myself the space to actually ask the Lord these things, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There have been times when I've been told to do hard things. I've been told to confess sin. I didn't want to confess. I didn't want to, you know, tell even my closest friends certain things happening in my mind, in my heart. I didn't want to disclose this. I mean, even just think about to my spouse, my wife. 
There are things that at times when I think, wow, what, what does the Lord want, me, want to do in my life? I'm going to speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then I feel convicted. Oh, I need to share this. Oh, I need to do this. I don't want to do that. But that is God's grace to say, what I want to do for you is far beyond this one moment of sin, this one moment of guilt and shame. I actually want to pull that from you. I don't want that to hold you. I don't want that to harm what's going to happen in your life. I don't want it to hold you back. And if you want to work with me, if you actually want to be my servant, you need to give that to me. And one of the ways you you can read about in James that we're told is that if you actually want to be released from those things, it is to confess your sins. It is actually to say, no, I let go of this. I let go of this bitterness. I'm not going to hold this against this person. I'm not going to hold this anger that is really not mine, but how I have experienced life. And I'm instead of going to hate, hate others and put people down, I need to release this. I need to make amends. Those are the kinds of things that might happen if you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. But here's the beautiful thing. That as God calls us to the hard things, there are also the things that we need most. They go deepest for us. The places in which he wants to bring healing, hope, and peace. And we need not fear what God wants to do in them. But trust. This is the way that we receive grace. If you really want to receive grace, it is through some of these hard words. Calling, talking about prophetic grace and the calling upon us. That calling is not just about the word, but the actions and obedience that that word demands. We're called to be bold in our faith, to be bold in this world that doesn't know Jesus, to actually share that there is a God at work, a God who is speaking, a God who is completely the source of all love and goodness, and I want everybody to know about him. Dwight L. L. Moody, he's a famous evangelist. This is what he says. There will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. Augustine puts it this way, that our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. And so if you're seeking peace, you're seeking grace, you're seeking release, you're seeking freedom, the way is through waking up, listening, and acting in obedience, acting in faith. Obeying the voice of God might be specific things like I mentioned. Oh, I really need to make amends to this person. Oh, I really need to confess this thing. Wow, that's five years ago. I still have to confess it because it still has a hold in my heart. And it might be specific things or it might be embracing a way of life that is very different than what your norm is right now. A way of following Jesus that's anchored in his word and truth. And he's guiding you towards a path of life as the Psalms talks about. A life everlasting Jesus pointing to his truth and spirit because Jesus gives us the ultimate example of how God calls people to wake up. Jesus is the ultimate example of how he calls people to listen. He's the ultimate example of how he calls people to act. Think about the Great Commission. And Jesus' word and example is one where in receiving grace, we give ourselves away. Jesus gives himself away that we might be made his. Samuel helps us understand what Jesus is doing, but Jesus himself in the Gospels reveals it. It's through his power and his purposes. Grace is helping us relate rightly to who God is. And so I'd like for you to think this morning as we worship and even think about communion in the sense of how have I experienced God in my life? 
How has he called me by name? If you have any clarity about that, remember that one. Remember that one. How has God called you by name? The gift of saying, Lord, you you know me. He wants you to know him, but he also wants you to know that he knows you in the depth of who you are. Our Sundays, worship, in and out, and also what we do in the week, they're acts of remembrance. We're remembering, like Holly talked about, who we are and whose we are. We belong to God. And our Sundays also are times when that's what I invite you to in response today. It is saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to this process of, I'm awake. Saying yes to this process of, no, I will listen to you speak, Lord. And saying yes to, no, I will go where you call me to go. And not all of us, I never assume this really on a morning or a space like this, have said yes to Jesus. And I even wonder if by the Spirit, he's leading you to say yes to Jesus, even if you've never done it before. To say, Lord, I am caught up in questions and some mystery, but I do believe you are God who loves the world. You are calling people to yourself. You've created a way through Jesus, and you're calling and asking me to live in that story. Live in that story of grace. I want to follow you. You can't do it apart from his word. The word speaks. His spirit reveals what his word says. And we're called to trust. At the very end of this chapter, there's a few things shared that will kind of help us as we close. Chapter 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear. He continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. The first thing is that the Lord was with Samuel. If you look at that, the Lord committed himself to be with Samuel. And then the other thing I meditated on this week is, then he did not let Samuel's words fall to the ground. He did not let Samuel's words fall to the ground. God called Samuel to a very difficult ministry to be a prophet to the people. Not just to Eli, which Samuel faithfully did. But to people and to to communities and to the whole nation. And then he didn't let Samuel's words fall to the ground. That is supposed to tell us that Samuel is a true prophet. Because the true prophets, if you're at, the easiest way to know if someone's not a prophet is, is what you say, predict is going to happen. If it doesn't happen, you're not a prophet. But for Samuel, it is true because the Spirit is working through him. And it's a confirmation that not only is Samuel the prophet, but that he is with his words and guiding people towards his words, shaping him by his words, shaping the people around him for his word. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up and just repeat again what I've been saying that God calls us to prophetic grace. He's calling you. He's calling you to be a person of truth wherever you are, in your family, in your marriage, your workplace, in your school. To be a person that shares the truth of who God is, and you won't be able to do that without being awake, without actually listening, and without actually being faithful to what God tells you through that. Because you do need to be faithful. But one of the things, and I just repeated myself, right? And then I also look in chapter 3. God repeats himself in three times. And so I think about repeating, this repetition. This is my last thought. This repetition. And I was thinking about this this morning, and then right as the the clock came by, 
my, my daughter Ruth rolls into my office and I'm not done with my thought. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to finish my thought. And then she rolls into my office and she's, you know, one, understandably wanting me to get breakfast going and she wants my attention, of course. And I have my guitar out open and then she just like takes a pick and she goes, and then she does it again. She's playing a very loud cacophonous sound. And so I said, no, Ruth, could you please not do that right now? Two seconds passes. And I said, Ruth, could you please not do that right now? And so then all of a sudden, and I noticed this sometimes with her. Sometimes she can dig her heels in a little bit. It's like, I know what you said. I just didn't care about it that much. Um, I said, you know, you, you, did you hear me repeating myself? Did you hear myself repeating? It's like, and she told me, it's like, yeah, but I didn't want to do it. And so, and I think about God repeating himself. He repeats himself in this story we read about every week. He repeats himself in our lives in so many different ways, whether we're listening or not. And I think what, I think the Lord led me to tell her this morning is like, when I repeat myself, you know, I think what I really actually want to say is I love you. When I repeat myself, what I really actually want to say is I love you. And that, that's what I think God wants to tell us, too, in these different moments and times when there might be hard words or we might be really far off from God. It's less of, go do what I told you to do. It's like, go be the person that I know you are, the person I love. That's what I'm asking you to do, to be. The actions, the obedience, they come out of that. But they first come from this place of, I love you. I thought that's a good way to end as we think about how God's called us to grace. We are people who are loved deeply and sent out to transform the world. So please join me in prayer, and we'll use this prayer in the next song to prepare for the table also. Um, I'm so grateful for your patience, God. There are times in life when I just sense you're repeating things to me patiently, repeating things to me over and over again, and I don't get it. It's because you want to say something very specific to me. You want to remind me that I am loved, that you want to call me by my name. And Lord, you want to use all of us. That's the great, one of the greatest gifts in all this, that you desire to move through each person's life not only to draw them to yourself, but you want to call them to be people of salt and life wherever they are. And Lord, we can't do that apart from you and your words. So I, Lord, I just pray that you would, you know, in your gentleness and mercy, call us to repentance, but also call us to freedom. This is an act of joy and freedom. This table we're about to celebrate is an act of celebration of your grace. And so, Father, please just help us to receive that. For those of us who followed Jesus for a long time, help us to say yes to you through our waking, listening, and through our acting. And for those of us who are not quite sure what you're saying this morning, Lord, I pray you and your grace would give them the ability to say yes to you, to seek you, to listen to your voice even. And Lord, we want to look forward to coming together right now to celebrate your gift, your body broken and your blood poured out, your grace. So Lord, help us to celebrate that well together in this time of worship and fellowship as a family, ch church. We thank you for what you're doing here. 
Even now, Lord, speak, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.